I am your host, Chris, that bald and now looks like you know, he's spraying like some kind of black stuff around where his beard used to be. Guy, <laughs> he sort of had a bald face the other day. Jesus Christ, you grow hair fast. Uh, yeah. That's my co-host, Kevin. He's also an alumnus, fellow alumnus of the One Chip Challenge. Um, and we have a, today we have a very special guest. We had the pleasure of uh, seeing this up and coming artist perform at a DJ, um, uh, an event DJ by our new pal, DJ Bonix at Kavanaugh's Riverdeck in Philadelphia. Back in August and actually on my birthday, believe it or not. And man, what a gift that was. He's an amazing guitar player and singer songwriter uh, and beat creator. He has a new single called Red Flags coming out soon and will be playing on October 9th at Attic Brewing Company in Philadelphia with Ryan Gilfillian. Please welcome to the show, Ryan Hempsey. Ryan, welcome to Digging in the Dome. That was an awesome introduction. Thank you for having me. Now, we're yeah, of course. excited. Glad to have you. So, um, you know, so we all three have something in common. Um, uh, besides of our love, love for music, we are all from Jersey. Kevin and I yeah. together, we were from, we were from that Cape May area. Where are you from in New Jersey? Uh, West Deptford. West Deptford. Oh, right. yeah. That's, I've been, we, we've been to the Deptford Mall way more, way more <laughs> times than we care to admit. It's the worst, right? Oh, <laughs> so Chris, Chris went to Rowan. So, uh, I'm sure you know that area well. Yeah, yeah. We used to play at the um, Jersey Boys at the at the Franklin House when they. I don't know if that still exists. The Franklin House um, on Main Street. I don't think it. I don't think it's a, a thing anymore. But it used to be a thing. Uh, and what was the one? The one that's uh, the the one that's right where all the fraternity houses are. Main Street, something or other. I don't know. Oh. Used to play all, all kinds of places. It wasn't the landmark. No, no. Maybe that's what it's called now. But it was, yeah, it's the landmark now. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, the landmark. We used to play at the landmark. It wasn't such a landmark when we were playing there, but I guess since then they've 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 come up. So good for them. Um, you know, obviously one of the first questions I got to ask is is you know what got you into music? Like that's that's always my first and favorite question for for a musician. Well, I always loved music and playing music, but uh, I had a cousin who lived with me when I was a when I was a kid. He stayed at my house for a while and he played the guitar. He was like next level. Like he won John Philip Sousa Jazz Award for guitar. Wow. And like I was like 10 and he was at my house. And then he ended up moving moving out. But uh he like showed me how to like read very basic tabs. But he left and left with the guitar. And then I went to visit his parents in Virginia and they gave me one of his guitars, like an old one. And then that was my intro into like playing music. And like since he showed me how to read tabs, I just Pretty much use the internet to learn how to play the guitar. Then once I, I don't know, after high school, I started writing songs. You know, that's amazing. So it's 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 so funny how by happenstance you just kind of run into somebody that was playing the guitar, and that's how you kind of fell in love with it. I had a couple uncles that played the guitar, and one who played the bass too. But like besides that, I really like because people are always like, "Yo, do one of your parents play the guitar or something?" or but it's not, I really don't, I have no formal training at all. Just literally just feeling and minimal music theory. Yeah. You know what? Like, I don't know, Ken, what you feel about it, but it's always annoying when you find somebody who's just naturally talented at something and you're not, I had like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my life. yeah, exactly. Jesus. No, but that's awesome, man. That's uh that's great that you picked that up. We're going to say, Kev. No, I was going to ask because we, so when we came and saw you at Kavanaugh's, um, immediately Chris and I turned to each other and we were getting a lot of G Love vibes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten that uh, told to you before, but that was something. No, kind of, no, kind of, but, no, he's good live and like plays yeah, the guitar we, and stuff. Yeah, we got we got those vibes. Go back and check out some of his stuff from like the like nineties and early two thousands and. I think you'd hear that, but what were what were more what were your kind of like musical influences growing up when you were kind of learning how to play guitar and started playing out and stuff like that? What were your what were the guys you were listening to? 
Uh, well, it's funny. The first time I got asked to play out, like this kid worked in the kitchen of a bar and he was, he called me on like a Friday. He was like, the guy we booked for music tonight canceled. Can you play for like three hours? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, so I started downloading songs on the iPad. I'm singing by myself with just a guitar. But I was like, oh, I got paid good. And they gave me a tab. And then eventually I did the whole bar thing. And I got like tired of it. But the music I was playing in that and like the bar and stuff would be like, I like to play like Sublime. And, okay. uh, I play like Jimi Hendrix and I don't know, but stuff that got me into it. It's funny. You said G-Love, but I was just playing some Jack Johnson and I was like, that's something that was in the beginning, but obviously like um, Ozzy and ACDC and Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, like every, everything like of that nature. Jimi Hendrix is one of my favorite guitar players, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know Eric Gales. Yeah, yep, yep. definitely. That's Joe awesome. Bonamassa, like they're all crazy. But then I have like a, a whole bunch of like producer influences too. Like um, I don't know, just I just love making music. Everything about it, it's fun. You know it's what I'm awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting too because I think that like there's there's like a very it's, it's when you start you started and you, you just kind of like, again, you attach yourself to this, this instrument, you start learning things, you start teaching yourself and getting better. Um, and it's even funny because for a period of time, I'm not sure what was the distance of time between you getting influenced by your cousin and you actually going in to get a, your first guitar, like how much time happened. All right. When I, when I bought like, cause after that, then there was interest. And my parents would buy me a guitar, maybe like one once a year around Christmas, and I would get a guitar. But when I bought the Strat, the green Strat, was I graduated high school. I worked for like two weeks in the summer, and I just used both paychecks to buy a Strat. And then I came home, I was playing it, and I was like, now I need an amp with tubes in it. <laughs> and even the last show I just played, I wasn't even playing through a tube amp. So like... I don't know. I can't wait. Like I'm, I'm getting my. Uh, I have an amp that's a, like my go-to that's getting fixed. It has this weird issue that all the black stars have. But God, I have a guy working on. It. It's like the volume will just dip yeah, off. I was gonna say, like, what, you, what, what do you mean? Like, so the volume. It's not like, I'm trying to get a Fender Reverb though because I'm trying to get like a really cool one because that's just the sound. I play Strat. I need a, I need a Fender amp. Yeah, you know. Need the right yeah, that was gonna that was gonna be my next question was you know it, Fender, Fender's your go to right you don't you don't stray outside of that when you're playing no but I like and even more specific the Strat but I think I would like to have a Telecaster too but the gotcha. Strat is like the coolest guitar in my opinion yeah because when we saw you out when we saw you play out you were playing that same guitar weren't you yeah that, that green Strat. And it's funny because I I had probably like 15, 20 guitars from like, there was a point where I was just buying them a lot. And then I just started getting rid of stuff. I offload stuff. I just need to scratch. Like, like I've just been getting rid of of stuff like excess furniture. I just want space to make music. Like, I, I don't want stuff. Like, if it's around and I'm not using it, it's in the way. Yeah, no doubt. It's so funny because when he's talking about all this guitar, uh, getting all these guitars, the only thing I just think back to is when we were interviewing Brian, Brian Quinn, and he literally had a wall. He's a, he's a guitarist from Candlebox. He had a wall of guitars. Like it was a, it, it was unbelievable. I was like, yeah. I was salivating. I, I, I was like, <laughs> like hey, yeah. can I come over? Yeah, all I'm going to do is play those things. Can yeah. I come over and play? Yeah, he would not let me do that. I guarantee you. I definitely yeah. learned that um, candle box lick on the guitar, like with the tabs when I was younger. Now I'm ready. You know bing, 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 bing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you like I saw I see like you're very prolific Instagrammer. It's something that I respect the hell out of. I'm not good at it because I'm older. Um, Kevin's definitely not good at it. Kevin barely wants to be on social media. If not for this damn podcast, he would be. Uh, uh, the the social media oh. version of a hermit. Facebook yeah. going down yesterday was fucking glorious. <laughs> I loved watching everyone panic. I haven't been on Facebook and God knows how long. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So you you know you really promote yourself on social media. You find it 
do you find it to be like something that you enjoy doing or do you just do it just simply because I like it. I like, I like posting and making content, but then like I do get, we all get caught in the scroll of random content, but it's like, it hooks you in. So it's like, I try like, but I find it easy. Like if I'm in the studio or something, like I'm not like getting distracted by my phone. Like I get locked in on their phones. I'm like, yo, let's focus. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, because it's such an easy distraction. Everybody yeah. experiences it. Yeah, I just saw you posted on Instagram a couple of days ago. You were doing something with Fat Boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Like it's so cool. And, and this is something that Chris and I kind of talked to Bonix about was like how there's this kind of melding of pop and and hip hop as like the most popular musical yeah. genres right now. Like when we were growing up, it wasn't like that. It was yeah. pretty much just rock, you know? Yeah. And then in the early nineties, you started to see hip hop become more popular. Um, and how do you, how do you think like hip hop's influenced your music? Um, and do you like to produce on like the hip hop side of things? I think it's exactly what you said, like blending it together, like just taking from all like, the Red Flags record I was talking about, it's definitely a hip-hop beat, and it's mixed like hip-hop. Like it's got a big bass in it, and it's got like quick guitar fills in like open spaces, and like it's got like a really cool bounce. But uh, yeah, I try and blend what's something that my parents would think is cool on the guitar, mm-hmm. and that like your average hip-hop or pop listener is going to be drawn to the drums. And then like just having like having fun with making melodies and stuff. I just try all different things. I end up making like all different genres. And most of the time I can't actually fit. Uh, I'll be like, this is close to this, but it's not exactly that. Cause I'm just experimenting a lot. Like, so I guess, I don't know more, like more recently I could say like, Oh, this is this type of beat or production, but people actually tell me what it is. Like I just make stuff. And then someone will be like, Oh, this would be cool for it. I'm like, Word. I was just like having fun. So that's cool. That's uh, it's great because it, like so what I gathered from your music and from a lot of the and you even mentioned it's funny when you said uh, Eric Gales, you know, famous blues guitarist. Like the first thing that I yes. thought is that you had a very uh, like an undertone of blues to a lot of your music. If you, I could feel yeah. in it, you know, like and you can hear it. And I think that that's uh, sometimes you get that foundational thing. And Kevin and I, I think, can commiserate a bit with being kind of all over the place. When we wrote music back when we were in our band, Desiderata, it was it was literally you're throwing everything into a blender on top of this foundation of kind of this of hip hop. It was we didn't want to get boxed into like a particular style. We wanted to be able to blend and kind of move in inside and outside as 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 composers didn't want to get stuck in a very specific genre. Unfortunately, what happens is sometimes you get pigeonholed. Like we got, I think that we would probably say that we got pigeonholed often into a kind of a rap rock thing, even though if you listen to any of our music or if you listen to our albums, there's components of it. Sure. But you definitely hear other influences, surf music, you hear reggae, you hear, um, you you hear, um, you know, blues, you hear, you know, even some like, again, kind of like you mentioned Pink Floyd, Kind of that spacey, you know. Yeah, that's that's what I want my shit to be like uh, ambient, atmospheric. Uh, just provoke, I guess, provoke some sort of feeling. Like if it's if it doesn't, if something's not feeling good, then I'll just move right on past it. And like, I like it's got. I like I'll start something and move on to the next thing. Like I don't get too hung up. And even if I can make something that's good, like I've learned that it's like, all right, this is good. And until someone has an idea for it, or I do, I'm just sitting here. Sometimes and I learned I, when I first started mixing, I'm like, I'm pulling knobs, I'm doing stuff. And I'm like, I'm not even thinking. But then when I got like, I'm at my boy's studio right now, like they're in the other room making music. And like, he like, we'll mix. And like, there'll be long breaks between like anybody touching buttons or, or we're just like hanging out and like making a calculated move rather than just like, like he knows what he's up to which is cool because he knows like the sound that I'm going for. And that's a good relationship. And engineers are like super important because people can make stuff, but if they can't mix it to like what you are envisioning, like, then it's still not, I don't know. It's not hey, right. We don't, we don't know anything about that. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we recorded our first album at this 
super famous studio in Philly that doesn't exist anymore. It's called Sonic Studios. You can look it up. They used to put out like Sonic Session albums for all these famous artists and stuff. But the engineer there couldn't have given a rat's ass about us. And we were paying ridiculous hourly rates to get our stuff for album made. And it, it came out in the quality of the album. When it was done, we could tell that this dude was just... He was just going through the motions. He didn't get give a fuck. Yeah, he was trying to get music. past us to get to Alanis Morissette, his next person that was coming. Yeah, or Tori Amos or whoever was yeah. there to record that day. Yeah, like they didn't give two shits about us. So having somebody that actually you can work with that actually gives a shit about the music and how it sounds is a huge advantage to you. Yeah. 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 And I think that oddly, if I was really going to, because we've, we've been in four recording sessions for albums, four different albums. Every time we spent less money and got better product successively. Like, I mean, the fourth one we didn't really finish, but uh, who, what was the guy's name that we were, that dude, we were in his, he had a house studio. We knew yeah, he was in Newtown. He, uh, he worked uh, with sub something, um, sub, uh, what the hell? I know, I know you're talking about. Yeah, that guy. It'll, it'll come to my mind. All Give right, well, you figure it out. Remember, <laughs> you're, you're responsible for remembering. I'll figure it out. Responsibility. But um, but it but it was interesting because the, the the further away we got from those like again, cold, um, you know, more professional studios, if you want to call it that. And we got producers that gave more of a shit about us. The second producer that we used was Mike Newseater, who did um produced Orange Nine Millimeter and Sebastian Bach. And he brought a very different flavor than the 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 shitty first producer that we had. And then the next guy who I, whose last name I'm going to butcher, it's Max Lascavi. Um, he's actually a, a uh, artist in Philadelphia and he's actually putting out uh, his name. I think he goes under the, the, the tag electric with a Q E L E C T I Q or T R I Q. Um, he's putting out amazing music right now. He was just on Q one Oh two, a bunch. Um, and he did, I would say, you know, cause we didn't complete the fourth album. He did the best job of capturing what we were looking to do and made the best produced album. And he was by far, we were, we were actually, you said you're at your boy's studio. I don't know where he's located, but we were actually, Cherry Hill. where is it? Cherry Hill. I'm in Cherry Hill. All right. Nice. Another mall, Cherry Hill mall. Not exactly the place you want to be going. <laughs> no. Very Jersey's just, Jersey is just malls and, and toll booths. Yeah. You mean America is. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. Yeah, you ever seen, uh, George Carlin's, Skit about oh, marrying yeah. a, a shopping mall and restaurant, the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> my cousin, George Carlin, he was my cousin. That's right. You said that. Wait, what? Yeah, he said, I forgot. Uh, yeah, he said that when, when we were at, at we'll, we'll get to the Bonics, uh, the family party that we, we, we attended and hung out at. But yeah, George Carlin's cousin, right there. Holy shit. That's yeah. incredible. That's my grandfather's cousin. That's amazing. Yeah, he's like one of our favorite comedians. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you wish that you could just hear his take on like what's going on right now? Oh my God. Yeah. No. I I don't think there'd be anybody better just to hear. Yeah. Good comedians like that just like fix stupid things. I feel like whenever, like if if they could reach enough people with their like, you know, we just, we need more, we need another person like him on stage. Well, the problem is that, like, and we we talk about this. We we lament constantly on this podcast about how things that you could have done previously you can't do anymore. And some of it for the good. Some of it makes sense that you shouldn't do certain things or say certain things. But um, I'm of the belief that comedy is the opportunity to be able to take the sting out of things, to be able to to point the ridiculousness of certain things that that people take very seriously. And it's um it's interesting that. You know, we, we, you kind of lose that now because there's so many people that are afraid that if I say one thing wrong, I'm going to get canceled tomorrow. You know, it's a constant like struggle. You just are worried that someone's going to, someone's going to put through you to the wolves. And it unfortunately happens often, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I would love to hear what, I mean, there's, he would have, we'd have four hours at least on the yeah. last three or four, three or four years, maybe the last two years, one year, we probably have four hours. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, so from a, uh, from a performance standpoint, where you've been playing around Philly a lot, you play, obviously you probably play New Jersey a lot. Where's your, where's the best place that you've or the most fun place you've ever played or the coolest place you ever played? 
I think that Kavanaugh show was like kind of the best show because it was all, it was a core of people mm-hmm. that were really like special, like real, like it wasn't like a bunch of random people coming in. It was like we cultivated a vibe with all our friends and they've been listening to our, to like my tracks and mine's tracks. So it was like, when we got up there, it was just like, it, I will never, like, I won't take a booking to play in a bar and sing other songs because it's just not worth the time. I'd rather be trying to make something or, you know, throw another event or just do something else completely. Like, yeah. We, um, we were the same way. Like we, we, we uh, talked about this before too on the podcast that we didn't like playing cover songs. We would incorporate certain covers or take on a cover, but we wanted to play our stuff because we were, because we were, we, we, wanted to promote our stuff. We didn't want to promote other people's shit. We could have made thousands of dollars playing at the shore and, and, you know, you know, be yeah. like Mr. Green jeans or, or fuzzy bunny slippers or some of those bands that are, that are, that are out there and they're making a ton of money, but there's no opportunity for creativity really. Cause you're just, you're retreading. You're a radio. Yeah. Like I love meeting people by way of like being in the studio or out in the mix in the scene. Cause I don't know. It just it's all about the interaction. You just meet people when you go out or stay in the studio and then cool things happen when you try to make music together. But I don't I don't know. I don't work like I work with I work with like select people now. I'm like careful, you know, because I feel like not everybody's just trying to have fun and make music. They have like they could have other other motives and stuff, but there's a lot of I have a lot of good people surrounding me now. So I know I just want to focus on the people I believe in and just keep cooking, just keep going. Cause like the, the instrumentalists around around right now and like the singer, Ryan Gibson, Taiwan Johnson on the keys, uh, the Weichel brothers on the bass and drums, they're brothers. And then, uh, yeah, Nikki boy, Leo on the guitar. He's producing all of G's music. Ryan Gilfilling, I call him G's. That's what that's his nickname, but yeah. How did you meet him? Right. I went to the studio in uh, in Chester that they have, and uh, I was I guess I just met him there one day. And I, I don't know, we just kind of connected, and then one day I was at my house and I made the song Kiwi. And like I made the hook and I made the beat, and I like was, I like called them, I was like, yeah, go to the studio and get Batman and geez. And then like he did that crazy like singing thing on there. And I was watching Batman cut it in the Pro Tools at, at the studio in Chester. And he was like, Oh, let me do that again. I was like, bro, if you if you get rid of that, I was like, <laughs> keep that. And then like uh after that, yeah, we just got in there, me and G's cut it up, and the rest was that's awesome yeah it's kind of cool how long like tracks grow for a long time it's weird like it feels like so long ago and then it feels like recently it had the steam of you know how, how do you feel like i guess another question would be like how like because sometimes I, I find myself doing this because i'll start writing something and then I'll, I'll go and it sounds good and i'm like all right i'm good with the concept and then i'll keep going back to it and then i feel like i'm going back to it all the time and i just can't when do you feel like I always have that trouble of saying, when is enough enough? When have I gotten to it exactly where it's that, that perfect spot? Cause I want to tweak just like you, you're like fiddling with the knobs. Well, that's why I got to work with an engineer now because <laughs> he'll be like, bro, I'm like, yo, we cut that guitar. And he's like, he's like, dude, that shit sounds good. Leave it alone. Yeah. And then I, you got to have people you trust. And not people who are just like trying to get it done, but people are like, you trust their ear and they're like, this is good. And even like my other friend, like, cause this red flag song made it like, I've, again, I produced it and like played all the instruments and, uh, I, I recorded it in my house and it was a cool recording and get, like, you got an idea of what the track was. And I brought it to here. I brought it to the studio. And then Johnny broke down like all my different beat stems and the guitar stems and just mixed it like crazy. Like he went to the Blackbird Academy in Nashville. Oh, wow. And then I went down there and got to record at the Blackbird studio in Nashville, which was 
That's just awesome. like a really cool experience. Yeah. So you you were just recently down there in Black in Nashville, right? When was that? That was actually in February, but uh, I still didn't release the track. But I'm I'm planning to like this is the time of the year where I want to release. So no, I was just going to say. So Kiwi was your last single, right? Yeah. And so that was what 2020, like late last year. Yeah, in March. And you you started getting some traction from that. You were all in Q1. No, that was March of this year. That was March of this year. Okay, my bad. Sorry, but that was March yeah, of last year. Well, um, so I got I put it on on all platforms, and then uh, it started getting some views on Spotify. And then I met Onyx, and he helped me get it on to Q102, which was awesome. Shout out to Onyx, I love him. He's, he's the man. Yes. Absolutely. And that was a cool experience to hear, like something I made in in my basement. <laughs> and then I'm just like hearing it over the car speakers. That was it's just a real experience. Like every time it felt just as cool to hear it on the radio. So what? So what is like? What's the next step for you, man? Do you want to like start like? Do you just want to keep making music and just putting putting stuff out there? Or do you want to play out more, like more like physical gigs and stuff like that? Like what's what's your focus for the next you know six months or so? I just want to keep making making productions and. Whether I make a song over it or send it to someone else, just keep making music and uh, continue to do more live shows, release release some stuff that I've been sitting on for a little while, and just kind of go with the flow and trust my gut when things feel right. Just just that's how I usually do it. Like I'll have something and someone will be like, "What are you waiting for?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just I know what it feels." Right, it feels like a lull, almost where I can get in where I can fit in. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe this yeah, absolutely. Good. So it's good that you don't have anybody that's pushing you in a certain direction except you, which is yeah. which is a great mindset to have. We had uh, we had close cash on a couple months ago, and uh, that's my homie. Yeah, he's he's dude. He's the man. He was awesome. he did a feat. He did a feature on our album when he was in high school. Really? So yeah, he was on one of our tracks back in the early two thousands um, when he was like 17. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we had him on a couple months ago and, and, you know, we were kind of talking about how, you know, when we were getting more popular, we started getting a lot of people trying to push us in a certain direction. They were like, Oh, you need to be doing this. Like, like Chris had mentioned before we were getting put in this, uh, you know, like the rap rock, like new metal kind of bucket, just because we were like rock and hip hop, uh, you know, rock over hip hop bass. Like, yeah, it was, it was hard for us to, to get a footing because they wanted to be like, Oh, you want to be the next Lincoln park. We want to make you to the next Lincoln park. And it was like, well, we don't really want to do that. We kind of want to do our own thing. And then, at that time, this is like pre-internet, really, um, or like before the internet was really huge and there was no social media. It was like wire days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you kind of had you had to kind of follow what people were telling you was what you needed to. Oh, if you if you're going to do it, you have to do it this way. Otherwise, you're never going to make it. Whereas now, you see this mindset, and I really support this mindset. It was like I'm going to trust my gut. I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to go with what. I feel is the best thing for me and how I want to make music and whether or not that gets me, you know, elevated right away. We, again, we talked to close cash about this too, was like people just putting music out just because they want hits, you know, you know, clout chases, like not doing that, I think is the right approach for you. And and it's something that I, I really like to see uh, in, in today's like up and coming artists, really cool. It's really cool that you have the ability to do that. Um, where we we didn't have that back when we were coming up in the early thousands. I, I would add to that that I think the entire mindset around the industry has changed. Like so, the, you know, initially when when we're talking about like, hey, I'm putting this single out here, I'm, I'm collaborating with this person. That's not like when we were doing it. It was more like get your album together, package that up in a meet with a media kit, and get it out to people to, for them to hear it. Try to get it on the radio if you can. 
go and play a whole bunch of gigs, try to promote your music, go to, and get, you know, I was talking about, um, I can't remember the name. It was like the Philadelphia music, something that we went and we're playing in front of A&R reps, like live trying to promote our stuff. It was, it was very much a package it up and then present your whole thing to somebody. And then now it's more like, Hey, you know what? I can create a single and then I can move on to somebody else and work with somebody else and create a single with them. It's not really about the album because the, 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 se- the selling of the actual physical property of albums is not really a, a, a you know, a, 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 a cash generator for people. There's a massive difference in the way that the industry has changed. It's not about the physical collateral of having, I mean, people buy vinyl things, you know, like vinyl but records kind of like retro. Now At some point CDs, you know, will probably be retro and people start buying those. Yeah. It's more about putting the content out there for people to consume wherever you can. Yeah. SoundCloud or, or, or YouTube or wherever, you know, I'm kind of focused on like Instagram and, um, and YouTube as platforms to like discover more fans, but for fans to discover me, like I know there's just from what I, when I see, and I, sh- I know I should be doing more with TikTok. I remember like making one video on there and it got like 50,000 views. Yeah. Cause it's just, there's more people trying to watch than people are creating at all times. So there's just like a, you can get a lot of views on there, but I don't know. It's just not, it has never been something that I really got into. So Instagram and they have the reels feature, which is cool. And then YouTube and just trying to put out videos on my live performances so people can get an idea of what it's like to see me live. Um, and like if you go on my YouTube, all I have like, Everything's uploaded as the cover art for the single and the audio. But then there's also the music videos. And it's like, you got to make a ton of content out of everything now. Like, you, you can make a lyric video is one thing, uh, uh, a visualizer thing, a music video, upload just the single artwork. And like, they, they recommend you do that because now it's like, you could say, like, you have like a 20 week rollout plan and like, you know how to disperse this one single song. Has literally like months worth of, of content, right? And I, I feel like it's you gotta like master like giving them like the same content, but like spacing it out so it's not like you're like it's so they don't just get annoyed and like want to stop looking at it or something. Well, it's also how you consume it, right? So there's there's different people consume things differently. So some people want to see the music video. Some people don't. Some people want to be able to hear just the music and again have the little, like you said, the visualizer where you see the actual, you know, yeah. the, the, the vocals kind of popping on the on the on the screen. Or some people want to know what the lyrics of a song are. So they so delivering yeah. those different methods will get the different eyes on it depending on what people are. Yeah, I think that's important. And when I upload songs on Apple Music, I like try to. Well, I don't just try, and I do it all myself. I like upload my lyrics as regular lyrics, and then once that's approved. You can do sync lyrics and literally like your lyrics show up as like long page. The song starts and you press space bar and at the beginning of every line and then it just syncs it up for you, which is cool because people like if you if you open up someone's song on Apple Music and they have the lyrics, but it's like the big lyrics and they're moving, you're so much more engaged the first time you listen because you're like, what's he, what's he talking about? Or what's she talking about? Right. And people people love reading lyrics. And I'm not even that type of listener. Like I love listening for like instruments and melody and arrangement. But uh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We we say that like because um I remember this is going back um now over a year. I was sitting in the car with my daughter and uh and uh In the Air Tonight came on by Phil Collins, which yeah. is one of those songs that the words, the lyrics are really impactful and make you feel a certain kind of way. But yeah. the way that that song builds is yeah. like, it's one of those songs that like, anytime you hear it, that's, that's a measure for me. If I'm listening to a song and I've heard it, you know, a hundred times and it's still giving me goosebumps when I hear it. That's why I know it's like resonating with me. It's like that. It just, the, yeah. just watching her kind of process how like all these sounds were coming from all these different directions again just masterful production by Phil Collins and, yeah. uh, and a brilliant song. So like I could totally uh, see what you mean there. Like, I think that it's, it's just, you know, when you're a musician, you hear it differently. Kev, Kev can, uh, can, can back me up on this. Cause we, 
sometimes we'd be on stage and we'll play, we'll be playing or we'd be playing a, a set. And the set didn't go great, right? We, we, we hear all the mistakes that we made and we come off stage yeah. all sad sackish. And everyone's like, Every, that was great. It was the best thing I ever heard. We're like, that's how it goes. Sucked. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, that was garbage. <laughs> we're like, we're going to fist fight after this. Like, I don't know what you guys are watching. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, like, that's the reason I had, the, I think the Kavanaugh's thing was the best feeling. Because I, I got done and I knew that I, I just, like, I felt like, uh, I felt like, you know, when you're like daydreaming, mm-hmm. it felt like that. It felt like I was just like leaving for a second, you know? And I, and I know I could be better. I know I could play better, but I don't like, like, uh, like fester on the mistakes, you know, I just like try and see the good parts and see what I, I and I, I think that's like, honestly, a rusty me on the guitar and we've been rehearsing a lot. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm starting to get that. Like, cause there was obviously the long, like not playing out thing. So you're like producing it all the time. But it's not the same as playing with a band. It's like, there's more, way more to it. So I'm feeling really good. Even since then, just from the consistent, like, try to push for rehearsals that way. Cause that's really like, if you make it second nature, like I tell some, I'm like, you know, if you want to remember lyrics, do it 18 times, right. but don't look at it 20 times and do it. And then you'll just, then it'll be ingrained where, and then it was weird. I, when I did like the cover song, I'm like, yo, what's like, I'll pick some random, like what's the first word of this verse. And then once they give you that, you're good. Yeah. But like, tricky. I don't know. It's pretty cool how you can remember. Some people have, are even better at it, though. Like Some people are like lyrics machines. They know every song somehow. I don't know how like people like Eminem and Buster Rhymes keep all that stuff straight. They're going so fast. I'm like, Jesus, where do you keep all that? Like, I, I can't remember that. <laughs> I can hear like, you can't keep up with it either. It's rough. But um, it's, uh, it is impressive when people have that ability. Kev can do that. Kev's got a good... Yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's weird. It's like... I can do that. Like I can remember uh, my lyrics and stuff like that. And I can hear lyrics and remember lyrics from songs that came out like 30 years ago um, that, you know, just because I listened to it so many times. And like you said, it's just, it's the, it's the fact that it's the repetitive nature of it and, you know, wanting to commit it to memory. Um, it also helps too, if it's something that you're into, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's something that you're passionate about. It, it, it's a lot easier to commit to memory than something that you're just like ho-hum about. I found that a lot in some of our later music, like where it seemed like we were just making content to make content. And I was just writing just to get a verse done. And I had a hard time remembering what I wrote because I wasn't really committed to the idea of what I was had meeting for you. Didn't have the right. meeting that the other stuff that really yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. If something resonates with you, it's easy to remember. But if it's just like, I don't know. I like a lot of modern songs because the production is always great. If you hear something like something comes on shuffle on like Apple music or Spotify from a song that you liked before that, like it's crazy how like the, there's the, the big brother or whatever, you know what I'm saying? The way that that they understand what you want, like in Spotify used to be really good at it too. But I, I, it's weird. I don't listen to that much music. I get in like moods. I'm like, I like creating a lot. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes I try to stay away and try not like try to intake less at moments so I can, uh, like I had some, some good people tell me like try to be less influenced by other things and you can really tap into what's inside of you. Cause like you don't need, like you, like obviously we all have influences, but when you're going to create, you don't you don't need to be looking at anything else. And you, I don't know. Yeah, you no, like yeah, you just don't. But you don't want to sound like you don't want to sound like somebody else. Well, yeah, and you you don't want to be like again. If you're, it's the uh, the cautionary tale of uh, 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 of uh, Vanilla Ice. Don't make the same mistake that he did. No, it's dun 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 to dun dun, not dun 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 to dun dun. But <laughs> he took under pressure the beat yeah. from Queen and 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 David Bowie, which, like, I mean, like, it's just like. But again, I mean, you can't argue with commercial success, I suppose. But um, now he's stealing people's pool skimmers. So look where that got him. Petty theft house. 
Yeah, he he became a um like a home improvement guy, and he even like so he went fell off the. Obviously, he did Vanilla Ice Ice Baby, and then Kevin. I'm gonna be annoyed that you're gonna remember this, and then I'm gonna have to think about it. What was the song that he did after that? The stupid. Um, oh, he did he did a terrible song called Having a Roni. Oh God damn it! Why did I? Oh, I shouldn't even That's ask that song. That song. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Um, Having a Roni. So then yeah. he, but so then obviously his musical career fell off the cliff shortly thereafter. And then he came back and started doing, um, I guess he's very handy. He started doing home improvement and he got picked up by, I think it was like A&E or HGTV or something like that, where he was doing a show of him going and remodeling people's houses and stuff like that. Like super talented guy. But I guess it was a, a, like about a, what it was, I, I want to say about a year ago or a little bit less than that, that he was uh, busted stealing people's like, but dumb stuff like their pool skimmer or, you know, like he's stealing things from people's houses that he was remodeling. And I don't know. He, I guess maybe he just he kind of fell apart there. This is a cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying what happened to the guy. <laughs> I um, hope he gets better. Yeah. We all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess the point was that if you're if you're listening to other people's stuff, it can majorly influence you. And, and to your point, it's a better um better experience just to kind of put things together yourself and then again, tweak as necessary. You'll get influenced by something. You've heard something that will somehow make its way in. Like I said, when I hear you play, I hear a lot of blues in there. I hear a, a ton of that blues influence in there. And I'm sure that you yeah, listen like to music. BB King and John Mayer and like Eric Clapton, everyone, the yeah. Beatles, everyone, they all had that influence in their music too, but you can't, I feel like I can't even get away from it. But why get like, away from it? What if it's working, man? You sound nah, like the guitar. No, nah, that's the struggle. I'm like, no, nah, I need to lean into this. Sometimes I try to get away from it. I'm like, why? Nah, why I, I got the really need to do that. Why do you feel like you have to get? Away? I don't know. I just get bored <laughs> sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I guess I want. I don't know. I, I always want to get. I want to get better at the guitar, so that's just mm-hmm. what it is. I, I I try to slip like, I guess like. I don't even know. I guess every genre in there, but I guess try to get a little jazzier with the, with the notes, you know, or I don't even know if it's jazz. It's just the right notes. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever feels right. Exactly. That's so I got to know, I, I haven't been to a damn concert in like two friggin' years. Um, you were a firefly a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Oh, that wasn't. Right. It was really, it was crazy. It was, I saw Tame Impala like in the front row and it was just insane. It was, the production was just out of this world. I also saw Roddy Rich, The Killers. I saw Meg Thee Stallion and she was very uh, charismatic. (laughs) (laughs) She was, she was like bringing... She was bringing fans on the stage and they were dancing and then she brought more people up and she was like, I'm going to do it one more time. And she was like graceful. Like she really was like in between her songs when like I was taking notes and like she was really cool on the mic and just like, she's really just you know, like natural and seemed like a, I think if you met her, she would just be cool. It's so. like, it's, it's interesting because you see, you hear like horror stories of some people that are like dicks. Like one, one that I heard recently was that, um, Billy Gor- Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins is kind of an asshole to people, to fans that are coming to see him. Like, like he'll like, like be like, ah, well, you didn't like that. Well, I'm just going to speed through these songs there to get the hell out of here. Like kind of thing. And I don't know if that's like his like emo, like, you know, kind of vibe thing that he's got going or if he's just, a, but I don't understand the, the value of that. You want to be able to connect to your fans. That's the fact that Megan, these stallions bringing all these people on stage is actually really cool. And, yeah, and like, and there were people of like, it was a very diverse group. Like, it was, like there was some. Someone's mom was up there. People <laughs> from all, like, all different. Like, there was uh, there was guys up there too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't. I was like, I didn't know why I was there at first. But then I was like, maybe I I learned something from her. You know, well, you know, there's always I, something to learn, no matter who you go see. One thing I know that you didn't learn is how to keep your phone on you because you apparently lost it. So what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I went to Team Impala and I was just having a great time. And then we left there and we're like on a little golf cart. They're driving us to the other stage. And I'm like, I don't have my phone. And then it was like, we're not finding it. There's like 50,000 people here and it's gone. So I just 
accepted it. And uh, I came back the next day with no phone. And then the following day, the one was overnighted from like an insurance thing, you know? Yeah, so I got my new phone. Yeah, man. That's, that's uh, honestly, it, is there anything more terrifying than losing your phone? It's like, oh no. You feel like you're yeah, cut off on application. You might have be in a cave. It was cool because I was with two good friends. Mm-hmm. So like I knew I was good. I knew I could get home. I knew I would be able to get another phone. So I was like, all right, let me just try to still have fun. And I did. I was like, you kind of let loose when you don't have your phone. You just got nothing better to do but just live in the moment. So yeah. And it, and then I realized how addicted I was too. I'm like, man, because like, there was the moments where I'm, yeah, I'm like, having a good time. And then there was moments where I'm like, oh my God, this phone needs to show up. I like, I stopped home like three times throughout the day to see if the package came. <laughs> but no, back You're on UPS.com. You're like, where's that tracking number? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh, capital, capital records called me three times after I lost my phone. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I had, I was <laughs> like, no. Come in. What if someone calls for like business or something and you right. just, uh, dun, dun, dun. The, yes. the caller is dialed. <laughs> oh, yep. Yes. They're like, oh, he's keep his phone on. Next person. Yeah. Your, this phone has been stomped into the mud by a hippie. No. <laughs> but I actually know a couple people where it does that, and I know they need their phone. I'm like, uh, like you got to fix that. Yeah. Because people think like that's just the wrong line. Right. And so I think you probably more people need to do phone calls to everybody's trying to text. Yep. It's easier to just call, right? Yeah, yeah, nobody wants to get calls, man, anymore. Everybody just texts. My my parents don't even call me; they text me, like, which is says a lot about me, I guess. Yeah, um, they don't <laughs> <laughs> I call. I call the my friends, especially the ones I'm like making music and with stuff, uh, making music stuff with, like. Mm-hmm. All the time, <laughs> we just some people I just sit on Facetime with. We'll yeah, do nothing. Yep. You're just hanging out with them. It's funny. You mentioned uh, parents texting. Um, I remember the first time I got a text from my dad and he wrote it like he was writing a, like penning out a letter. It was like, dear Chris. And then it said comma. And then he went to the music. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's you. I have your fucking phone number. It came up with that cell. I know that's called, who's trying to get in touch with me. But he wrote it like a letter. It was very funny. Um, so real quick before I forget, mm-hmm. just because you brought them up, uh, Team Impala, I just saw the other day, they're working on a song with Diana Ross. Wow. Which is yes. like a really cool collaboration that they're, oh, they're going to be coming out with soon. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. They're they're cool probably, band, like, I really was, when I was standing there, I was like, there is no way. Like, I just, I, would, I was really in disbelief of that show. Like, I don't know. I can't tell if they were playing the instruments live. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not sure. I couldn't even tell, but the production was coming through so good. Yeah, it's yeah. It, sorry, I, I would. Some of the it's like you said. Sometimes bands are so good that you can't even tell the difference between their produced music and when they're playing live. And some are so bad that you know right away that they're playing live. So sometimes it's hard to tell. Like I saw, um, I saw the Strokes live. And it was sounded incredible. I saw them at the electric factory and it was like, I was like, are they even playing their instruments? Because this sounds like perfect. Exactly. Like what their, what their regular stuff sounds like. So you like kind of question that. There were some acts where I could tell I'm like, all right, they're not playing, but then Tame Impala, it was pretty late. And I was like, I'm not sure what's going on right now. It was it was really really good though, and it, it's it sounded like it was more than just the record, but it was just it was really cool. And I, it's I'm amazed. I was super amazed because uh, I I like saw a documentary on the dude Kevin Parker. He produces and like makes all of the parts to them songs, and then he hires a band to play live. And then I wasn't sure if they were really playing. But it looked like such a real live band setup. Like everything was wired up and all. Like, because you look for things, but I'm like, maybe they would do all that. And I don't know. It was, it, it was almost like it seemed too good, like too good to be true. It was insane. Tim and Paul is um, an Australian band, right? They're, that, they're- yeah. 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 So one guy, it all. 
Yeah, so he reminds me of um, what's his name from Godsmack. Actually, like the early Godsmack stuff, um, the it was just him doing all that stuff. And then he would hire, he wrote everything, drums, guitar, bass. And then when they went out on tour, um, Sully from Godsmack, he like wrote everything. And then when they went out on tour, he hired, he would just had a band that would go with him, at least initially. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the guy from Team Apollo is the same way. Yeah. That's interesting. So I do. So now that you've kind of like, you've got like your crew, do you feel like that's your, there's your people that you're going to continue to just continue to write music with? Cause you seem like, you do a lot of collaboration with some with other folks. So you kind of like keeping those two kind of options open. You're working with these guys. You don't really, your band with these guys, the, the, the brothers and, um, and, and, uh, Ryan, oh, Ryan. Yeah. So like, is that, is that like, you know, cause you, you know, or, or are you going to be doing more kind of like a little bit of both? Are you going to be collaborating? Yeah. I kind of, I want to, like, I'm always going to be working on stuff every, like pretty much every day. I open up the laptop and, might start with a guitar or keys and I just go. Mm-hmm. But when people, I, I thrive off of like collaborating with people, but I also do very well when I'm by myself. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do both. I just keep collaborating with my friends, making music on my own. Cause like, I would like to be in his band and I would like to have my own band. I'll, I'll open up for him and play in his band or he can open up for me and play in my band or, like I'm gonna end up playing the guitar with anyone, you know, and, and I'm cool with that. Like I'll I'll do studio stuff, I'll do live stuff, I'll do you know, I'm down to work with other people. I'm I, I love there's there's magic in creating with other people. Like you can do cool stuff on your own, but like when two great minds get together, it, it, there's like nothing else. It's like amazing. And actually it's way more than that. Because if you think about like the engineer, the person who made the artwork, like Think of like my boy Nick Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like it brings it to to life when you click Apple and it's like something vibrant in your face that like is like nice artwork that draws you in. And maybe you want to go look at the lyrics or, or check it out further or just give it a shot. Like I know for a fact I click on stuff because it's like got cool artwork. I'm like, what's this cool looking record about? Or like on YouTube, I'll see something on the side. And it looks like kind of trippy or funky. Uh, oh this is all you about. Can tell when people have the the, the aesthetic down, like it, it helps. It helps pull together what you're hearing and, and seeing. You know, it's branding. You're putting together a brand, and and people, you know, see something like that, and they get they're like, oh wow, that's yeah, that's cool. Let me just check it out, and that's how yeah. they end up stumbling onto your stuff. To your point. You serve it up in different kind of medium and different ways to, to present that medium. And if you got a, a brand, again, you have a brand, hemp seed the brand, you know, yeah. that that's something that people re- will will recognize, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Shout out Nick Johnson and uh, DCX Commonwealth. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned him real quick before. He's doing some cool shit. Nick's a good guy. Yep. Yeah, he's the man. He like he's he's like understands the vision and He's a good friend and like mentor as well, and connector. He connects me with the right people, mm-hmm. and you know it's great to have people by your side that like like can see the same thing that you're seeing and bring things to your attention that you can do better, or like people that you trust that you can lean on and and ask them for their opinion. You can take their critiques because they're your friend, and you know they're not just. Like like everything with yeah yeah it's all pure it's just genuine we're like good friends you know yeah and they're not just blowing smoke up your ass either that's the yeah. answer yeah. yeah they're not gonna tell or you that tell you're you doing like, something maybe, great yeah or they'll tell you like maybe nah like this ain't it yeah and you need that's that's it. yeah that's a good you know it's interesting too like as I'm listening to Ryan uh, Kevin it sounds a lot like Brian. And like what he, how he kind of got uh, into Candlebox because he, because Brian was doing a lot of stuff. Like he was like kind of like going through different bands and, and, and playing with different people and collaborating with a ton of people. Like you see the laundry list of people that Brian Quinn's played with. It's unbelievable the amount of talent that he's played with different artists and, and very much. And, and I think that when we talked to him, he said it was, um, it was one of those situations that by happenstance, he just met. Um, the met the the lead singer for Candlebox, and they and heard he heard him play, and he said, I think he said it's like one of the best shows he's ever played live. He just crushed, 
And the guy come up to me, he's like, hey, I'd like to work with you. Next thing you know, Ryan Quinn's in Candlebox. It's pretty crazy. You know, so so it's it's a pretty good to keep that option open to be a little bit more agile with who you're working. It's awesome. Think about it. Like back in the day, like I'm pretty sure Eric Clapton played lead guitar on Beatles records. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And maybe that was before he like I don't know the history or timeline, but in my head, maybe that's before he's like, you know, touring the world as Eric Clapton himself, you know? He's putting that work in in the studio and just because some people like, and that's something too, like I'm good at the guitar, but like, I'm also down. If there's someone who's better than me or something like I'm yes, please cut something. Like I'm always ready. Like if we're in the studio, like the interface, I, I use pretty simple stuff where I'm, I'm not like, I'm going to get all these levels. Like I, it's pretty loose and pretty like, I don't use like the create like world-class stuff. When I go to record vocals, they have like, Cool analog, analog stuff that it goes through, but I've made stuff that people love through $500 interface, you know? Yep. It doesn't really matter. It's just like, it's again, it depends on what the song is and how it, you're creating that sound and however you captured that sound at that moment. Yeah, you could have the best equipment in the world. We just talked about it. Like, we went to Sonic Studios and that place, they did a terrible job of putting our stuff together. They have probably the best equipment that we ever worked on, you know, um, you know, if you go from studio to studio in terms of just cost. And quality, maybe I get Milk Boy probably had at, on par with Sonic. In fairness, they probably did. That's the second place we we recorded at. But still, it doesn't matter. You know, you create good stuff and people like it, then then fantastic. Um, if they think it sounds good and you think it sounds good, it doesn't really matter what you recorded it on at that moment. Yeah, yeah I mean, we we've recorded lyrics in a guy's closet at his mom's house, and it sounded awesome because you know it was put together the right way. You know, yeah. equipment was good enough and he cared about the music. That's it. I think a lot of hits get recorded on tour buses and uh, and in like home studios all the time or hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Like hotel rooms are a great place to like catch a vibe and make music. You're like in a different city, you got a view, you have a laptop and a speaker, an interface, yeah. and a mic. You got, you have a studio anywhere. And I always yeah. like, we get a point when I travel, like, Bring a guitar and my laptop and a beats bill. So if like I come up with something, I can like make it. Or like when I'm on a plane to go somewhere or on like a car ride, just put the headphones on and get on my laptop. And like being in different places and making music is what makes it fun too. Like you go to the same place every day, just like same studio. Because I go to like different friends and stuff, or um, I'll know when it, the time comes where it's like I gotta sit in my room. I make songs because that's where I, I know I can get stuff done. But I just uh, like bounce around, and make music in different places because it's what keeps it interesting. Like, and I've even recorded stuff off of like, like had a guitar idea, just recorded it with my iPhone, and then use that audio and beat. And it's just like it has a cool like maybe you can hear something that's going on yes. outside. But that that stuff makes records now. Like people like right. people talking in the background or something like that. That stuff. Obviously not like oh, you love bed, this podcast. Like, I have people dogs barking, kids breaking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't hear any of that. I well, well I, for some reason today of all days they're they're actually actually because they're 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 all uh they're all downstairs on their their, their devices and being addicted. I'm in a I'm in a in a room with no no furniture or soundproof stuff. So probably, <laughs> is it echoing? It's a, it's got a little bit of a, a, a like it's a, not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. You can I hear think, it. I think like the best mic, mic placement so you'll get it you know yeah. well, <laughs> if you're too far away and there's an echo it's bad yeah there's well you mentioned the the um the different acoustics that you could just experience in different places i think that sometimes to your point makes the song <clears throat> it's like it's it's yeah. part of the part of the collective sound that you're trying to go for and if it sounds right then great then who cares or like in videos when like they add little sound effects that's not mm-hmm. really cool i like like, like I, I really want to make music that gets in like TV or movies as like an intro or something because I make stuff all the time where I'm like not like aimlessly creating but pretty much and I'll make something and I'm like this is this is cool like because I'm not like oh, I gotta make a Hempsey song right now it's just like let me just create and see where it takes me a lot of times like I would show stuff to my parents and they would be like, sounds like a like a movie or TV thing well that that's cool. That's awesome. 
Yeah, man, as long as you're creating, man, you you can find you can find a place for it. Then you know you're doing something positive with your with your career. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't have to be like. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why I got distracted for a second. That's all good. Yeah, so we're you- just saying it, you don't have to be pigeonholed into into making one particular kind of yeah. art. Uh, you know, you can you can do multiple. You can be multifaceted and not hurt yourself. So think about it. Who? Um. um I just, I'm sorry. I got another text. I just I'm I'm, the, I'm sorry. And so I saw your finger scroll up. I'm like, are you pointing at me? What do you, what did I do? <laughs> He's like, you motherfucker. Right I think there. it might be, I think it, I think it may be important. <laughs> um, so speaking uh, of products, um, how did you meet him? Like, how did you meet the, through Nick Johnson. Through like, Nick Johnson. He, okay. Yeah. He mentioned him a couple of times and I always heard of him. He's like a legend. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm, I'm used to listening to like Wiz Khalifa records. Like when I was in high school, there were huge Wiz Khalifa records. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to meet him, he came over to my house and I just like showed him a lot of my music. And he kind of like told me like a lot of this stuff is great. And like that was like amazing to hear because like you go check him out on the internet and you see like he's on the main stage at Firefly. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm out there checking out in all of like what's going on. He's up there and he's he's a humble and respectful and nice Fantastic. person to talk to. He's yeah. he's genuine and like yeah. he keeps it real. So it's it's amazing that it's just it was amazing to link up with him because he's a he's a great guy and I feel like he has he had pure intentions always. He's just a man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We do. We we we're big fans of 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 Brandon. So yeah, we sing the we sing the praises of Bonnox all the time. I feel like he's such a good dude. We literally. I don't know that since we've had him on, we've not talked about him in a positive light. At least a portion of the podcast has been dedicated to our love for Brandon. <laughs> he's a man. When we went to his birthday party, it was really cool. That was great. Um, yeah, I had I had a great time. I want to go out to Vegas and visit him. Like just take a little trip. Yeah, same, same. Go, go and see, see. What I will not come back. <laughs> I promise you. I, I, I'll be dragging Kevin like, by his ankles to the air, to the airplane. He's like, no, I don't want to leave. Yeah, yeah. We're having a lot of fun, dude. He he looks like he's having the time of his life. Why like, would I, I not? No, I'm saying you were having too much fun in Vegas. Oh, oh, yeah. I, if I went, yeah, I would not come back. I've been there twice before. I promise you at this point in my life, if, you, if you I play. go to Vegas and I'm hanging out with Brandon there, yeah. I would not return. Yeah. Do you like to gamble? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but not like, but yeah. not like, I'm not like, a, I'm a hardcore about it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be in the casino like all night long, like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like that. I'd rather explore and go to the bar and, you know, chill and talk to people and, and have a couple drinks. than I would be stuck at a table five, six, seven hours a night. That's not my style. No, but I will say there's nothing better than being on a heater on a crafts table when you're just like fucking rolling, rolling. I, I, I was like, they called me. I was at a party. The man, with the, <laughs> I was throwing, I, I made, there was a person at the other uh, end of the table. I made them $7,000 in 20 minutes. They, they I, like, they were like, they gave you like, they, they were like, here, take money. I'm like, keep rolling, please. Made them seven grand in 20 minutes. I was like, you made that. I made them 20. I was rolling. I was just on fire. I was just rolling. And I was just, I just did, couldn't crap out. And I made, it, it, I was rolling for 20 minutes straight. And seven thousand dollars for that person. We all made money. my boy. My boy Diamond just heated up on the craps table. We went to Firefly, and it's uh-huh. a casino there too. Dover Downs. Yeah, right. And some old dude next to him heated up on the dice and just kept. He kept betting a hard eight, mm-hmm. and that guy just kept rolling it. And wow. I was like, he was like, "Yo, this is an honor right now." You have no clue how crazy this is. Like, I'm like, I'm sure it is. You just won like hundreds of dollars in minutes. Like, yes. It's it's always good when it's good. It's always, but then there's always time uh, where you're like, okay, I was at the blackjack table for five minutes and I lost one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, 
I've got I got hot on roulette a couple of times, but I I try to avoid the casino. Like I don't have money to be in the casino yet. One day, yeah. if I have like a, a budget for going to the casino, I'll do it. But like, nah, I can't afford to lose money in the in the casino at this point. I gotta. You'll be like yeah. throwing guitars up on like the roulette table. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, all the one but my green one. I can give you everything. My green Stratocaster stays with me, but everything else, <laughs> I'm putting it up. Um, all right. Hey, um, so listen, we we uh, had a really good time talking to you, Ryan. Um, yeah, it was a blast. And it, it, it was great talking to you. And we're really excited to see what you're putting out again. Um, Ryan Single, Red Flags coming out soon. And, and please go see him October 9th. That's only four days away from when this is being recorded. So. Attic Brewing Co. Attic Brewing Company in Philadelphia with Ryan Gilfillian. Punktoberfest. Punktoberfest. What's it called? Punktoberfest? Punktoberfest. Oh, I was about to say, Punktoberfest doesn't sound like the kind of thing that you, you guys got to pop out if you can. It'll be fun. I would love to. Oh, yeah. There's going to be other great bands there too. Arthur Thomas and the Punktorium. They're tough. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Arthur Thomas and the Funkatorium? Yeah, they're going to be tough. Just come. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, dude. I'm, you had me at Funkatorium. I can be honest with you. Yeah, we've been... <laughs> We've been rehearsing our set. We're, like, I know I was saying we don't play covers, but that's like a hop doing a gig. But mm-hmm. like, we're definitely doing covers. Like, expect some uh, Bill Withers' Use Me, which sounds so cool. Like, oh. the Keys guys are actually playing a clad. Like, it's going to be super funky. All right. So if you want to get funky, get your ass down to Attic Brewing Company on yes. the 9th. We're going to try to get out there ourselves. Ryan Hempsey, it was an absolute pleasure. We'll have you on again real soon.